welcome to Humans and Magic, the podcast that gets deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. I'm your host, James Sue. Welcome to episode 83 with Kenji Igashira, also known as Numat the Nummy. Kenji, or Numat, has a nearly 10-year career in streaming and is one of the first Magic players to do so on Twitch. He's a great person, a generous person, and has also been very generous overall with sharing some of the things and challenges that he's been facing over the years. A few years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting Kenji and his wife Emily while they were visiting China, or specifically Beijing, where I was living at the time. And I had a great time meeting them, showing them around town, the works. In the back of my mind all these years, I thought, I should really have Kenji on Humans and Magic. And just recently, Kenji wrote a few revealing thoughts about the things or the challenges that he and his wife have been going through. And I thought, it's probably no better time to talk to Kenji than the present. So that's what we did. We sat down, had a conversation, and... As I expected, Kenji was very thoughtful with all of his answers. Sometimes in the Humans of Magic interviews, I edit the pauses and the, I'll call them the audio white space between sentences. But in this case, I left most of it in because I just thought that it's nice to get that natural flow. It's also one of the conversations where I seem to have interrupted Kenji a lot more than I do for other guests. And it's not because I was trying to be rude or just rude in general, but I just really felt like it was a it was a nice conversation. We had kind of had a vibe going on. And that <laughs> that was kind of the the introduction, if you will. I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Kenji Egashira. Yeah, let's just start with the simple stuff. How are you doing, Kenji? Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Um, a little bit tired just from, you know, daily workout or whatever. But as a whole, as a person, I'm doing doing great, you know. Can't complain about anything in life. Thanks for taking the time. I know it's uh, you've got a lot going on, uh, streaming and otherwise. And uh, are you are you a daily exerciser? Are you just like a fitness fanatic? Is that what it is? Or oh, it's, I mean... First of all, it's the least that I could do to come and talk to you. And, you know, you showed us so much, uh, so much kindness when Emily <laughs> and I were in China. You took us out to, uh, I don't remember if it was lunch or dinner, but, uh, you know, we made a quick stop to this, this little restaurant area. And then, you know, you showed us a good time. You were uh, treated us. I don't, I don't, what was the place called? I mean, I'm sure maybe you know what it was, but I, you know, that was back when I was living in Beijing. I remember because okay, I live in sure. Shanghai now. I've been yeah. living in Shanghai for the past two years. And so that is also a bit of a, a blur, but I remember you guys were like doing this like rapid fire trip through China, right? It yeah. was I don't know how many cities did you did you guys go to? Oh man, Emily could tell you better than I could. I'm I'm gonna say it was like four or five, and mainly it was the the larger populous ones. Uh, and at the very end, we went to visit the pandas. Was that Chengdu? Chengdu, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah where the pandas were. Uh, anyways, sorry to get back to your question. Uh, yeah, daily exercise. I've been, I don't know, I've always been into fitness, but um, it wasn't really until four or five years ago that I got into it seriously. And so 
you know, once you make something a habit, I don't know, there's, there's some phrase again, I'm, we, we were talking earlier and I can't remember the exact quote or the phrase, but uh, once you do something enough times, you know, it's kind of just ingrained in your brain. So yeah, daily habit. So you, you, you got more into that four or five years ago. Like, was there something that triggered it? Uh, was there like a wake up call or something dramatic? No, 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 nothing like that. It's just, I mean, again, like I said, I had always, I was always in pretty fit, uh, but I don't think I had ever like devoted time or uh, as much effort. And after sitting around every single day streaming, you know, it's just like, I need to do something. I need to make sure that I'm not only mentally capable of handling the day, but also physically, you know, when you're sitting down eight hours a day, that's not what human bodies are supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, so, so but when just, you stream, I mean, like, are, are you, you, so you're not trying to be the first streamer with a walking desk or something like that, right? Oh, I'm tons of people already have that anyways, but no, I don't, I don't have a standing desk or anything like that. Okay. So what's, yeah. uh, what, what's your routine? Are you like, are you doing like interval training? Are you, are you lifting or like a combination of things or what? Yeah. It used to be a lot of lifting. I used to be in like the thousand pound club is what they would call it. It's like, uh, between your squat, your deadlift and your bench press, you could lift a thousand pounds combined. And so, yeah, th- th- I've gone through phases of working out. It was the uh, heavy, heavy lifting at first was my, the majority of my workout, but now I've, I've went more into the, uh, aerobics or the, uh, the cardiovascular side of things. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a runner now I would say. So, um, every day I do a, about a 5k, and then once a week, I do a 10K. I just joined a running group. Wait, and are you that, using K because you're talking to me? Or is it just, I thought you guys use miles. Or is running just always about the K? Right, no yeah. Idea. Running is, running. That, that's how I've always learned it, as running as, as the Ks. Because I, I don't think people say like 6.2 miles or 3.1 <laughs> miles, right? Yeah, yeah it, it just I, sounds I, better. It's like a... And, and the races, yeah. The, well, races and stuff, they're always like 5Ks, 10Ks, that kind of right. thing. So, right. So yeah, um, and you're in Seattle, so it makes it it's pretty pretty good for running, right? I'm sure there's trails or things or right, yeah. I, and I've joined this uh, this fitness club. It's called the Orange Theory. Um, basically, they, you always wear a heart monitor, and there are different zones for where your heart rate is. Mm-hmm. The Orange Theory is when your heart rate is, you know at a uh, intense level, but not at not your maximum or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you're supposed to be in this orange zone for a certain amount of time. But okay. yeah, I've been I've been uh, heavily, heavily running, heavily lifting for quite a few years now. So it's it's been good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, are you do you have are there any races coming up? Or is it difficult now because of the situation in the US or in Seattle? I actually have never done a race before. Oh, you're not into I, that stuff. You're, you're, no, just, you're well, just into running. It, it's I'm very competitive. So if if I got into it, I would get into it. But I have not done or I have not uh, attempted any of them yet. So that I think that's in the hor- on the horizon for me. But I have not done anything like that before. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about this interview or before this interview, how to how to start things. And let me just start with a random, totally random question. You don't have to answer these, but I'll try. <laughs> so let me find my question list here. Sure. I want to make sure I use the right term because I looked up like manicure versus pedicure because I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. And, hands versus uh, feet. Uh-huh. Yeah. So tell me why you love manicures and how long you've uh, you've had them or gotten them. Manic. Oh, no, I don't care for manicures. 
I've Wait, pedicures like on the feet or yeah. Oh, the feet, the feet are good. The hands, okay. nah, I don't care. Okay, so what, what started that that stuff? The pedicures. Uh <laughs> uh I don't know exactly. Uh let's see. Like I've always enjoyed massages and stuff. Like uh when I was growing up, my my grandma would, you know, she would want a massage in the morning or whatever. And and as a treat, she would like give me a massage in return or whatever. So um always enjoyed like you know the physical contact kind of getting pampered type of thing. Uh but I don't think I got my first pedicure until I was like 20 or something. And I don't remember exactly what the case was. It might've just been like some, some girlfriend that wanted to go out and get a pedicure and said, did you want to try this? But mm-hmm. um, after getting it the first time, no, it was great. You know, they just mm-hmm. sit there and relax. They have the massage chairs and yeah, you, you get, you get pampered, like I said, but uh, I, this must be something that Emily told you or it <laughs> sounds like, but uh, <laughs> one of your friends told you, uh, told me, but uh, yeah, it's not something that is publicly available information on the internet. I, to my knowledge. So, I mean, I have, I have shared uh, a ton of posts of like my, my fingernails and toenails. Oh, you have. Yeah, 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 yeah. So from, okay. from when I've gotten a petty and a manicure, but um, no, they're, they're, uh, I guess they're just like a treat, you know, Emily likes to get them all the time. Emily is my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they just make you feel relaxed. It's, it's kind of like getting a massage. You'd be like that. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a, there's a certain type of person, probably similar vein of people, right. That like getting that type of, uh, body work, I guess I'll say. Well, I dig it. So I don't know how common it is in, in the U S cause I've not lived in North America for a while, but like foot massages and massages are super common in oh, yeah. China yeah, yeah. and they're way more affordable too. So like my wife and I used to, uh, just like get a foot massage like every week. And uh, so I, I can definitely relate to that. I, it's, yeah. it's become something that I've enjoyed like after I started living in China, basically. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's like a stigma on it or something, but I, I would say that uh, women by far get, you know, more pedicures and stuff like that than, than uh, anybody else. But, you know, I, I think that's something that if you enjoy it, why not get it? I don't think there's, there should be any barrier, you know? Yeah. To just, enjoying for sure so yeah i guess uh that was a very random question maybe we'll start sure. no, from... i liked it that was good it was yeah, great yeah I, I guess i uh, you haven't you haven't left so i guess we're we're still we're still okay <laughs> uh uh the other thing was about doing shots of bacardi 151 so what oh, what's man. the story behind that and and are you just a lover of rum or or bad rum i don't know i've never, never tried 151 <laughs> so uh, it has a reputation though yeah, yeah, that's been I, I believe that's been pulled off the shelves of uh, most U.S. According to Wikipedia, is discontinued. I don't know why. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that there are plenty of good reasons why it's discontinued. But no, uh, after graduating college, I moved out of my parents' place, moved in with my buddy Colin, and I don't know how it started. I mean, I'm sure it was just the the young blood in us. Um, while I was doing the streaming thing, it was like, what, what kind of crazy rambunctious, you know, party starter can we do while I'm streaming? And one of, one of the things that, uh, that got everybody going, whether it was because we just wanted to lighten the mood or maybe it was some kind of goal we had set is uh, take a shot of 151. And, you know, for the people that don't know at home, 151 is 
is not like um, uh, Everclear or anything like that. I mean, it's it's very strong liquor though. It is um, like it will it will put you on your backside very very quickly. And it, it like we're talking we're talking jet fuel type stuff. But uh, uh, as James mentioned, it is you know a type of rum that's now discontinued and. Yeah, it was, it was kind of just a fun thing. I, I don't do it anymore. That was more of a, a young Kenji thing, but it was uh, it was something that my roommate and I uh, did to, to just spice things up, literally spice things up. Was it a shot for every follow or every sub or what? Oh, what was no, it? no, not, not like that. It was just like in the mood because... A couple of those is a couple of those and you're just done for the like you're out, right. literally out. So I don't I don't think there was anything specific. It was just more like, hey, uh, we should do a shot. You know, we should do a shot of one of these and then bottoms up. And then maybe a little while later, after things had settled, after the stomach had kind of bubbled down. Hey, do you want to do another one? OK, great. You know, let's do it. And then, of course, in front of an audience. Uh, builds. So it was kind of a challenge or a dare to yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, it, it wasn't just me necessarily. Colin would be on it, my roommate. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, uh, the audience would uh, right. join, join in on the festivities. Not necessarily in spirit or rather literally in yeah, hopefully, spirit. Hopefully maybe, there but... wasn't a viewer that said I was doing it alongside. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's make this three for three. Random question number three. When you worked in retail, retail grocery, you were, according to your friend, you were a model citizen worker. Like your boss was sad that you left to pursue a <laughs> career of streaming and said adios. So what made you so, so such a model worker in the world of grocery retail midnight shifts? Uh, this, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily something that pertains to what they call night crew, which is, you know, doing the grocery and you know, stocking stuff. Um, more so to do, to do with just being maybe a uh, personable person, I guess, you know, just somebody that could get along with everybody, somebody that did have a, a I mean, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn or whatever, but a, a good work ethic, being personable, good work ethic, just a good combination in a workplace setting, you know, just yeah. somebody that would move forward, trudge along, you know, no bull crap, not, not la- um, lays about or whatever. Yeah. Just some, somebody that could, you know, do the job as well as being a, a friend. I would Just say. a good, a good colleague. Uh, yeah. yeah. Someone who's uh, personable and good to talk to can always chat about groceries and right. uh, vegetables and stuff. Okay. Sure. Sure. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, now that these three random questions are out of the way, uh, because there's absolutely no way I could figure out how to link them to anything. Uh, let's start from the beginning. So tell me where you grew up. I, I believe you are close to where you grew up but please i'll let you say in your own words like where you grew up and all that stuff yeah i'm uh i mean as much as i want to say otherwise for my my viewers as it's kind of a meme at this point that i'm like 64 years old all 32 of my actual years have been spent uh, in the state of washington um i grew up in a place called edmonds um (laughs) affectionately known as the place where old people go to die Edmonds, Edmonds, Washington, just because it's it's an older generation that lives there for the most part. But uh, yeah, it was a good community. I was there, I mean, all the way up through the end of college. Uh, so ages, 
ages all the way up to 21, 22 ish. And Edmonds is right on the water, right on the Puget Sound, what it's called. So there's always some uh, kind of festivities there. Um, but then after, after graduating college, uh, moved in with my buddy, Colin, who'd I'd, who'd I known from kindergarten, which is age five. So I, I, I've known Colin for the last 22 or sorry, 27 years at this point. And he was only a little bit, uh, North of Edmonds in a place called Linwood. I'd, it's like 10 minutes North. So yeah. if, if you can imagine it, it's been, uh, very, very small movements. Um, after Linwood, which I was there for about six, seven years. Then I moved down to Bellevue, which is um, what they call the East Side. It's it's basically another Seattle, very industrial. A lot of uh, tech companies uh, there like Microsoft, Amazon. It's a very nice area. I've, I've been to Seattle a few times. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Bellevue, I used to work at Amazon and later Microsoft. It's a suburban family oriented area. Maybe it wasn't like that, like decades ago, but it definitely is now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I've only moved out of there since the last couple of years, so I'm sure we know the same Bellevue that, that uh, is of the recent uh, times, but after Bellevue, I just moved a little bit South to Renton, which is actually where wizard of the coast is also headquartered. So yeah. Um, not very much distance between anywhere that I've lived and it's all been in the state of Washington. So, and you went uh, to like, college in the state of Washington too, right? You went to, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I went to Washington state university, which is to be fair on the, all the way, other side, the all east the side. It's, yeah. So it was yeah, a bit of a drive. Yeah. Right. It's, it's on the border of Idaho actually. So it's, it's basically as far as you can go, but yeah. Uh, besides those few college years, everything is within, you know, 20 mile radius, basically 30 mile radius. So you just love the state of Washington. Like everything is, is there for you. Yeah, I will that. And I guess there was some amount of just why leave complacency, you know, it's just you know, everything I have is here. I don't see any reason to move out. I'm not trying to escape anything. I'm not trying to, uh, go get anything necessarily. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's all been great right here. Yeah. So tell me a bit about your family. Any siblings and maybe your mom and dad, just give me a little bit of fill in the blanks, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, grew up with both my parents, Vivian, my mom, uh, Paul, my dad, and then my uh, younger brother, Koji. It's kind of funny. My uh, my name's Kenji. My brother's name's Koji. But then my p- parents are bo- a bit uh, named Vivian and Paul. So it kind of skipped. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my parents' parents. So my grandparents being like, okay, we need to Westernize, right. We need to, we need mm-hmm. to give them more uh, Western names to fit in with everybody. Cause then uh, for the most part, my grandparents are like uh, more traditional Japanese names against like, like Kuniko and Sumako and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So <laughs> it's kind of funny, but Anyways, yeah, uh, my mom, my dad, and my brother. Um, my brother's a few years younger than me. Uh, let's see. Big into gaming, just like me, kind of kind of picked up that from me. Uh, when we were growing up, I'd always pick on him, stuff like that. But no, uh, good relationship with all our family members. My mom's super outgoing, super friendly, super bubbly. My dad's a little bit more on the quiet side, but he's like a super avid um, outdoorsman. So, you know, man, ever since I was, ever since I can remember, 
every single weekend we would be going out on some kind of family outing. My my parents nowadays still do the same thing every weekend. They go out. They're retired now. Every weekend or every oh, weekday, so never even. it never stops. Yeah, yeah, no, they just they just constantly going on trips and trips and trips. In fact, right now I I believe they're still in Ocean Shores. I don't know if you know where that is, but it's uh they, they went clam digging um not too long ago, and so all the way from when I can rem- remember all the way to, to now, it's just been a constant adventure of going out and doing, you know, we're fishing, we're clamming, we're picking mushrooms in the forest, that type of thing. So it's, it's, it's a nonstop adventure with, with my folks. And, you know, like I said, even though my dad is more on the quiet side and my mom is more um, uh, rambunctious, you know, they, they get along so well and they're always doing something. So it was never a dull moment. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up we always had something to do uh, and if we weren't doing something then there were always like a ton of neighborhood uh, kids because fortunately for me you know in my neighborhood we had people that were uh, within a couple of years of me both ways so there, there was always something there was always something to do regardless of uh, what was going on at the time how did your parents meet do you know they are uh, high school sweethearts actually they oh man I they, they also went to high school, like in the area. Uh, yeah, in the Seattle area, area, Franklin High School, I think it was called. I think that I think Franklin High School is still there in Seattle area, but um, oh god, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to say how many, or I don't want to say how many years and then be wrong. But it's since they were like fifteen or sixteen okay. years old, and now they're you know uh, early sixties, so mm-hmm. they have been together a long, long time. Yeah, got it. Your mom is also supposed to be, not supposed to. Your mom is an arts and crafts pro, right? So how how does she? Oh, yeah. Has she? Is it like since she was fifteen or what? Like how does she get that? Pick that up, or is it more recent? No, no, it's been for a long time now. I mean, she used to work uh, in advertising, so she you know, like she was one of the um, first vice pres female vice presidents of what used to be her advertising company or one of the advertising companies she worked at. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she's just always been super creative. It, it certainly wasn't something that she picked up recently. Like even growing up, there would be tons of arts and crafts. She used to do all of these. Um, I don't know if you know what scrapbooks are, but she would make absolutely. like a yearly. I'm, yeah. I'm dating myself, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah she, she would make like a yearly scrapbook of all the family functions and whatnot. And while she doesn't do the scrapbooks necessarily so more uh, anymore, you can still like if you go to my parents' house, they just have a, a literal stacks of scrapbooks of every year leading up to to that point. And and she still works, um, not even freelance, like volunteering, doing a, a ton of uh, arts and crafty type stuff. But no, it's she's been doing that type of thing for for ages now. So it's it's something that's um a love of hers and you know it's it's kind of passed on to mm-hmm. to both koji and i your name is kenji your brother's name is koji uh your parents obviously you you guys the whole family is of japanese heritage or japanese american heritage so how much how fluent are you in japanese did you keep the culture or some aspects of it as you grew up or yeah so my my grandparents were all fluent a lot of my aunts and uncles are flu- well i'd say half the aunts and uncles are fluent. My parents can understand it, but they don't speak necessarily fluently. And then um, 
myself and my brother, we never learned it. They never taught us it when we were younger. Um, I did take Japanese courses in college, but at that point, I think my brain had already uh, formed too much to, to pick it up very well. So uh, it wasn't something that came necessarily very easily. But um, so the language itself, no, we, we didn't pick up. But there, was, there, were, there are still a lot of Japanese influences in our life. You know, we'd go to the, the Bonadori festivals and all and like my parent or my grandparents were um, uh, super ingrained in the Japanese culture. So. There's still a lot of that in us, but I don't think we necessarily celebrate it as much as the, the previous generations. Yeah, I, I got it. So how did you get introduced to gaming? Because, you know, I know you started playing, you know, some of the earlier consoles like Super Nintendo and Game Boy, mm-hmm. but how did you get started on that? Was it like due to your family or did you just pick it up with friends or school or what? Uh, like the earliest stages of gaming, I don't actually recall how that started. Uh, like just playing board and... games at home? I don't know. Like, maybe. oh yeah, okay, for sure. Sorry, no. That in that case, it doesn't yes, have to be digital. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, no. It was it was cribbage. Uh, we would like my my extended family is super huge. My dad has eight brothers and sisters. Wait, it's a very large Catholic family, mm-hmm. um, and so we'd always have these huge family functions. Um, and cribbage was the go-to game. I don't know if you've ever played cribbage. It's a, I, I guess it's not necessarily a. You don't need a board, but it's a card game, and uh, that was that was the first true gaming experience. Like, um, ever since I could count cards, count numbers, and uh, read the cards, that was that was something that we were doing. You know, every holiday, whether it was Easter or Christmas or that Thanksgiving, that type of thing the all the uh, aunts and uncles and the the cousins of mine would would play cribbage and so you know i don't know if you know cribbage very well but we'd always be like 15 2 15 4 pairs 6 and type of thing and we you know we get all these points and whatnot and so you can just play the game with a regular deck of playing cards right or yeah as as long as you have a way to tally the points i mean there there is a board for cribbage but you don't necessarily need it as long as you have a way to, to to score the points so so what little um, I know is that cribbage is a quite strategic game. So uh, were you like quite competitive? Like everybody in the family was like very like into it, I guess. So you know you knew the strategies and how to how to win and and so forth, right? I, I wouldn't actually call it that strategic. Like there there is, or it's more like go fish, where it's just like uh, oh maybe maybe that's strategic too. I don't know. It depends on how you define it, but like right, it's right. just well, just gets I mean, you into gaming, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, that like. With cribbage, it's certainly based on the hand that you're dealt. Um, you do have to make some number of decisions, but a lot of it at the end of the day is going to come down to what did you pull in your hand. And you know, throughout the course of a game of cribbage, you're going to get a lot of different hands. So there's a lot of different chances to maximize on the small percentages for sure. Um, but there is, there is a lot of variance, probably more than... Uh, I, I, constructive game of magic as it were gotcha gotcha yeah so how did you move into the the video games yeah i i don't remember exactly how the video games came about i mean i maybe it was just good timing a lot of it because i think it was around the time i turned four or five that like the original game boy came out and that was my first introduction to like my own handheld gaming system i I, i'm sure i had played like the super nintendo um 
prior because I, I have some number of my aunts and uncles that have played it, but uh, I think the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, um, was my very first intro into that particular world of gaming. And I mean, that was a good time to grow up, right? Pokemon was just coming out. Magic was just coming out. So uh, on that similar vein, like I learned how to play Magic from my cousin. So that was another uh, introduction into a different world of gaming. But as far as like um, consoles are concerned, yeah, when right when I turned four or five, the, the Game Boy came out and it was like, all the Mario games and stuff like that. And then advanced to the like Nintendo 64 when that came out. So that's strange because I don't remember exactly how that turned into PC gaming. I know at some point it did. And I became more and more of a PC gamer uh, with games like Counter-Strike and, you know, original Diablo and stuff like that. But it, it was, I guess, just a progression of things, you know, as, as more new technology came out you know you kind of just want to and as, especially as a child you know you want to ask your parents oh we need to get this or i need to get this i need to get mm-hmm. this can i get this and uh did you ask them yeah. for a pc because i would imagine that like at the time you needed to actually have a somewhat of a gaming pc to run some of those things right i don't think so my dad's most systems could run that right i think yeah my, i mean my dad's already been pretty tech savvy as well um so we always just had multiple computers and uh i mean a little off tangent but like when we were growing up we were the center household in the neighborhood as far as uh kids were concerned like we actually had the living room actually had like four or five computers uh, all set up and so when the kids would uh, you know the neighborhood kids would come over we would all game and LAN. yeah yeah so you were huge on the the pc games right was it uh, mm. which one was your favorite or are they all your favorites like you mentioned diablo and a couple others right yeah i think counter-strike uh was counter-strike was probably the first game that i super heavily invested my t- or maybe starcraft Counter-Strike, StarCraft, um, and then eventually things like Warcraft. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, yeah, it must have been StarCraft and Counter-Strike. I, I dumped so many hours into those games as a kid. Did it, did it start to take over like other aspects of your life, like school? And, or did you find a good balance? Like, you know, you could still... Or maybe school well, isn't that hard anyway, so... Yeah, well, okay. So it was probably multiple things. It was, uh, I was always a pretty good student, but looking back, I'm sure. And, you know, like you think about it as a, as a kid and when your parents are saying, you know, you play too much, you play too many games or whatever, and you think nothing of it. But now when I look back now, I've probably played, you know, too many games for sure. Um, but that was the thing. You find your you, you find your culture, you find your friends and, you know, they're all gamers as well. So it kind of just builds off of itself. But uh, yeah, no, I would definitely say that uh, I definitely played too many games as a child. You know, throughout high school, like what were your favorite things to do? Was it the, the games or did you have other stuff going on as well? Sure, sure. No, I was I was super active in a lot of uh, different clubs and whatnot, like um. I was president of the chess club for a couple of years. You know, I did track and field. I was on the football team. Uh, what else did I do? I was on the, the Frisbee team. 
like there there was a good um a good uh split of you know not only physical physically demanding um sports or other activities as well as you know mentally demanding um things like chess or uh any of the i mean there was no like computer club but any of the games that we would play after school yeah so you know before this interview we we're talking about how you might be like a generalist so you know even back then you were had a lot of uh, a diverse uh range of interests it sounds like and you even ran for student council right or something like that was it like a class role or something yeah no i was uh uh, what was it? Vice? Pre- I think it was vice president. I was vice president of senior class or something. Um, like I, I, I was a very big people person in, when I was growing up. Like I was, I, I tried it. I tried to be friends with everybody, and like I was um, on the homecoming court. My both my junior and freshman year, for example. So I was, I was like what the the homecoming prince or whatever for two years in a row type of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I hate to toot my own horn, but I, I was very, very popular uh, growing up. And I think that's just uh, part of my personality, just trying to be a people pleaser. And so it's, uh, it's very, very sociable, like just people, yeah. You can always get along with everybody and you can chat with anybody. That's what it sounds like. Well, and maybe, maybe we'll touch upon this later, but sure. When I, when I was growing up, that's the case. Maybe not so much nowadays. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So at the risk of jumping ahead, like what do you think changed? Just uh, life? Like just cynicism or what? I mean, I'm sure there's some amount of cynicism and just growing older and more jaded, but I, like, and I've said this on, on my stream before, just I've been streaming now for 10 years, just about. And I think there, there, you know, there, there certainly has been some amount of um, change to my, to my personality as a result of that. It's, it's really hard to, to be, you know, quote unquote on all the time. And then just try to be, turned off at the end of the day when you're when you're done streaming so like you have to you have to put on some sort of a facade right um and be entertaining to an audience and at the end of the day i just want to shut down completely i don't want to you know absorb any more information i i like nowadays i hate small talk i hate idle chit chat of of uh Oh, how was your day today? Oh, cool. I went, oh, yeah, I went. I, oh, I did this and that. Oh, 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 great. That no, I just want get to the point. Tell me the yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. And it's and like I don't think that's necessarily for the better. I think you know. I think that's uh, that's something that uh, is just now so ingrained in me. Something that's changed um, on a on a deeper level that uh, it's going to be hard to 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 get away from that, but. No, I like I, I compare myself growing up as this people pleaser, this uh, somebody that everybody could get along with. And nowadays I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to hear about anything. I just I just want to I, I especially don't want to uh, talk um, 
mm-hmm. after because you've been training, talking you know? for i don't know how, yeah, how many hours I, right yeah right i i just want to absorb the necessary information and go from there i don't yeah okay. exactly so it's probably not a good idea to call you know capital one to get your credit card fixed after you do your, do your stream or whatever errands that involve talking to to humans right it's no, probably- I mean that's that's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not one of those people that's gonna go off on a call center person to be like, "What the? Heck? I've been on the." Fo-. You know, I, it, it's not gonna be like that. It's just, it's just, I'm not gonna be as uh, outward about it. I'm not going to try to reach for those things. If they come to me, sure, that's fine. But I'm not gonna go out of my way anymore. Yeah, that's that's a really honest observation because I. Uh, while I'm not a streamer myself, I hear streamers talk about it and I have observed this myself as a viewer. It's just that sometimes when you're a streamer, like your viewers just want everything of you. They want to be your friend. They want you to be their friend. They want you to listen to their tiny little thing. And uh, I guess small talk is a part of it as well. So it, it, it just seems to me like a very difficult thing to be on all the time. Like I, if I was streaming, I would probably just, you know, cut the stream midway sometimes because it's just like, I've had enough or, you know, it does, it's not even like necessarily someone being negative or toxic. Right. But it's just that people demand something right. of you. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're on the stage, like, you know, dance or something like that. You know, that's, that's pretty hard. And I, I, I often wonder how people get into that because it's, it seems hard from the outside. Right. Well, and it, it, like to go with your analogy as well, like somebody yelling at me to dance or, or if somebody's telling me to sing, you know, say, as an example, to go along with the analogy, you know, sing this song, think, sing this song. And then five minutes later, somebody new enters the channel. They weren't there, but they want to hear that same exact song. You know, it's it like that happens all the time in forms of questions, right? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? You know, and it's it's a constant barrage of um demands the, i will say it i'll call yeah, it yeah yeah no well demands that are demands that have already been asked uh maybe, maybe they're reasonable when they're like in the context right. of just that person but in the context right. of everything it, it's not right so exactly and so like you don't want to come off as a rude person as a bad person but it, it's a lot different when you're the one person and there are thousands you know pointing mm-hmm. your way you can't it, it's a lot harder to to um, spread out your attention or your, I don't know, it, to, to give them everything they want when there's so much demand on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But let me uh, let me try to backtrack a little bit. So, mm-hmm. how did you even make the? You must have talked about this somewhere. But how did you even make that initial transition to streaming? Were you doing it part time? Then you decided, I want it. This is this, there's just there's a point where it becomes full time. Did you just go into it thinking I'm this is going to be my career, or how how did it start off? Sure, yeah. Um, I was still working full time uh, night crew in the grocery store um, when I started um, doing the streaming thing, uh, more or less full time in conjunction with that. I mean, I had dabbled in streaming before, but it was it was very sporadic. It was more like Oh, you know, I, I'm not doing anything on a Monday night. You know, I just graduated college. I'm at my parents' house. I'm going to stream for a couple hours and see what happens. Um, see if I can get some people to watch or whatever. And it's, so it started off sporadic. 
And then after I moved out uh, with my buddy Colin, started working full time in night crew, um, I started doing it more and more. And then I wanted to challenge myself. I don't remember exactly if I, I certainly didn't think it was going to like turn into a job or anything like that. But I think it was the newfound freedom of moving out of my parents' place and uh, moving in with my buddy Colin that I just I could do anything I want, right? Um, like I was still I was still working, but now I could do anything else with my free time. And so um, after after working in the morning because I or sorry after working at night because I did night crew, so it was like a an 11 p.m. shift to a 7:30 a.m. shift. I would sleep for a little while, and then I did a thing where I challenged myself to stream every day for a year straight. And so the only time I could do that was after working uh, eight hours, you know, you got to explain shelves. this to me because I'm an outsider. So sure. the streaming 365, I've seen like Caleb Durward and uh, Anurag Das for Legacy do that. Like, obviously, it's not just for magic. But what is this? What is this thing about the 365 days? It seems like a rite of passage for <sighs> streamers to just show how hardcore you are and Maybe that's just my perception, but like what what sparked that for you to do that? I, I think I had also seen somebody else do it, not in the magic community, but I think I see had seen another streamer do it. Um, and for me, it was more about building the audience. You know, okay. if you do it every single day, people are gonna know where you're, you're committed. Gonna be. You're committed. Exactly. You know, it's it's like a TV show when somebody wants to watch their favorite TV show on NBC or something. And it's always at 7.30 PM on a Wednesday night. Uh, I, I kind of translated that idea to streaming. You know, if I'm going to stream every day at a certain time, then people are going to know to watch at that time. And I can build that audience. Consistency is, is one of the key things with building a stream. And so just, just the fact of doing it every single day is, is going to help leaps and bounds. Um, so I don't think there was like a rite of passage, so to speak. It was more about um, knowing what it took to make sure that I could grow that audience. And it, it was a great time to do so because Twitch at the time was completely new. It, it had just moved over from a thing called Justin TV. And as somebody who had watched streams um, before, uh, as, as somebody who was once the viewer, I kind of knew what it took to to translate uh, those type of skills into a schedule of streaming, and so yeah, it it like it was it was a labor of love. I I, I just wanted to to push through to see how it to see how it panned out. Um, if I did something, you know, every single day for a year straight, and you did that successfully, it, it, obviously. So that that's a very that's a lot of commitment. And you did it part time, right? You were still working, right? Well, yeah, it was it was a success on multiple levels. So, uh, for like, like the first eight months, I was still working night crew full time. So, like I said, it was like eleven p.m. Go into work, you know, stock the shelves, do whatever, ring people up, get home seven thirty a.m., sleep for however long, you know, wake up two or three, um, stream until I would have to go back to night crew. And that, that was that was consistent for the first eight or so months because I had steadily been building up a viewership, steady, steadily been building up um, 
you know, a, a, a base um, to, to turn that into a more lucrative scenario. And so by eight months in, I was actually earning, I, be- I, th- I believe, more streaming than working night crew full time. I mean, it's not like it w- I was necessarily being paid a lot working, you know, at a grocery But still, that's more than shows. most streamers can ever say. Yeah, it's like, right. It's, and it's so better I, than my I, daily job income. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so that was the moment that the, the switch flipped. I flipped the switch. Right. And it was just like, okay, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put in my notice or whatever and just see how long I can do this for, because it, it had been going up uh, well so far. And in that short amount of time, right. Only eight or so months, I went from somebody who just streamed kind of sporadically into something that, you know, I could see this building, or being somewhat a uh, of a career, of a job. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate yourself in terms of uh, how much you plan ahead in life? Like you know, one being I don't plan at all, and ten being like you know I map out like what I'm going to do the next minute. Like how would you rate yourself? Oh, maybe a two or three at best. I'm I'm very spur of the moment type of person. Okay, I don't, I don't... so so the streaming thing was uh, could I call it a leap of faith? Like you just had. You, you felt good about it. Obviously, there were metrics and things that were good, but you weren't 100% sure what you were getting into or you, or you were sure because you had done the, it for eight months. I mean, it, it was definitely somewhat of a leap of faith. Um, but at that point, like I didn't see myself working, you know, grocery for any extended amount of time. That was more of just to do something in the meantime. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this before, but uh, my roommate at the time, Colin, he's the one that got me the job at the grocery store because he was a manager there uh, at the time. So he was just like, hey, if you need something to do, you know, while you're looking for a job, I had graduated with a double major in anthropology and sociology uh, from college. And I didn't really see myself using those in the future. So um, that's how that's how that job came to be. But yeah, it was it was somewhat of a leap of faith because I knew I didn't want to be doing that for any, or uh, the, the grocery for any extended period of time. So as soon as, as soon as that, the streaming became better than uh, the quote unquote, quote unquote, regular job. That's when I said, Hey, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's put our, put our foot forward. Got it. Got it. And you're coming up on your 10 year streaming milestone. Yeah, it's so crazy to think about now. Ugh. I don't know how many ungodly amounts of hours that is. I'm not going to try to have you <laughs> guess what it is. Uh, I guess you could probably easily estimate it just like average per day and whatever because you, you, you're you pretty much full time. But when you look back on the streaming stuff, it, do you have like photographic memory or is it more selective? By that, I mean, like, can you remember like specific key moments earlier on in your streaming career better than you know maybe what happened last month like are there things are there moments that stand out to you uh particularly in the early years yeah uh i would say so i mean these days a lot of it is a blur a lot a lot of just streaming in general is a blur the nice thing about magic is that it's always changing there's always new sets and new cards uh so it doesn't feel like i'm you know it's not like a, a playing deck of cards. There's not the same 52 components that you're, you're always, um, you're always dealing with. But um, as far as memorable moments, even, even those are kind of sporadic, honestly, like 
I can, I can remember some individual instances in the early stages of things. Like I used to have a bunch of stuffed animals in the background, but maybe those are, those are more general still. It's not like a specific time when I was yeah. streaming. So those are more like, those are, it's more like a specific setup. Like you had a specific thing or aesthetic. Exactly. That you were going for. Yeah. 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 It wasn't, there wasn't, or there aren't necessarily any specific key points on a stream that, that stand out to me. It's a lot of those are a blur and mm-hmm. then it's, it's everything that happened around them, you know, that, that is more, uh, more ingrained in the, what, was there, was there a point in time where you thought like, I kind of had this figured out. What, was there like any it could be a period of time or after some event or maybe even after you did the 365 days like are there level up moments in your streaming career that you can recall sure yeah for sure um i mean there's literal level ups like you know making partner or something but i'm they, i'm sure there's other things too other than just that right right yeah no there uh the biggest standout to me is like when hearthstone came out uh, God, I don't remember what year it was. That was maybe that was 2014. It, it, like Hearthstone's been around. It's for a while. probably anyway. celebrating the 10 year anniversary. At yeah, some point, no, right? not 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 that long, but it, it's it's pushing it. Anyway, it, like uh, when Hearthstone first came out, um, I was exclusively the Magic streamer, right? And so, uh, I tried streaming Hearthstone a couple times, and I I recall my viewership being like super inflated for this hot new game that everybody was interested in. And then I did that for a couple of days and I was like, all right, well, let's go back to magic. Um, and then, you know, I went down to my regular viewership or whatever, which was much lower than uh, the Hearthstone viewership. And so I always get these, these thoughts of, you know, what if, what if I had continued to stream Hearthstone? Okay, like a sliding doors moment. What if you just went that path? Yeah, exactly. What if I did that instead of continued magic? Um, I don't actually remember what your original question was. It was something to do. Oh with no, like, just just like really memorable moments in your streaming, right? Okay, yeah. So like that, level, that was, up, level up moments or like huge moments looking back, right? right. I, I so I wouldn't call that a level up moment per se, but that that's a moment that uh, that stands out in my mind like vividly. Just like what if I had done, you know, Hearthstone instead? What if I had uh, gone down that branch of streaming instead of continued with Magic? Um, as far as level ups, uh, more concrete level ups are concerned, you know, uh, Twitch has actually implemented a lot of good things for streamers. Like you had mentioned, not necessarily literal level ups, like making partners, so and so, so forth, but just, and this is, doesn't necessarily pertain to Twitch, but the, the general populace in in the on in the world is so much more tuned in now you know with with um the online world i would say like it, it's it's crazy you, you go back 10 years and then 10 years before that um just the drastic changes that have that have occurred and like it has made this type of uh job possible and so i always think that you know i'm i'm very very fortunate uh that I even have the chance to, to, to do this in the first place. And so like on this similar vein of things, and this is kind of a level up, I would say like as, as terrible as it was, you know, COVID was good for Twitch 
so many yeah. people now are working from home. So many more eyeballs, you know, mm -hmm. are available. Mm -hmm. And like now people are more aware of uh, streaming and people just do. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, even be streaming, just more people that are making a living online. And it's, you know, it's, <laughs> I guess this is not a personal level up, but this is just a level up that happened definitely no i mean it's it's yeah. legit i mean it's the industry is like changing hashtag esports and right. uh, you yeah. know I, i've been involved with uh cardboard live for a few years and mm -hmm. we definitely saw like the magic part uh grow as well i mean unintended consequences right there's things that happen in the world that we don't we can't control we don't anticipate but it definitely right. has some effects on uh just online stuff yeah yeah but I mean, so I guess the sad thing is maybe I don't, I can't think of any like true level up moments where I'm like, okay, how hey. about, how about just like, um, memorable, memorable moments where like your audience or, or viewers like really s surprised you in a pleasant way, you know, maybe, maybe like you were trying to like raise money or you're trying to like hit a sub goal and it's like people just surprise you with their generosity or, or something like that, you know, oh, just no, like, it, just like, like, oh, you know, I have a good, I have a better, more optimistic view of human nature as a result or something. Right. No, it, it is truly crazy. The, the generosity of people that to me uh, on the surface of things, you know, you only see them from their screen name. You don't, you can't put a face to it. You don't know their general personality except for, what they've typed in chat. Um, like I've done a bunch of charity type events and it's, it's, it's always crazy. And especially from like the magic community, which are, you know, all generally older, more, uh, I guess more, I, I don't want not traditional, more maybe I'll, I'll, I'll dare use the word. So, yeah. So uh, like people that have more um, exposable income, right. They're just, yeah. Like a lot of them are so generous in the, in these type of things. And like, and it's not even just the, the charity events that, that I've done. Like, um, I, so I don't remember what the exact scenario was, but I remember getting very, very emotional. There's, there's a clip of clip of it on Twitch. Like <laughs> I, I had drank a lot of rum on stream and I, I like, I was getting, I was getting super emotional. Like I was, I was actually like pouring my heart and soul out right. uh, to Twitch chat. And they were just like super genuine. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't remember it uh, personally, but there, there's like, mm -hmm. there's, there's a video there's, of there's it. There's evidence of it. Yeah, sure. no, there's, there's evidence of it happening. And it, yeah. it's just, it's, it's kind of uh, touching that, you know, I'm, I'm exposing my, myself uh, to the community, you know, saying how thankful I, I am to them and they are, you know, showing their appreciation as well. I think that's, that's like the biggest one that I can quote unquote, remember. Um, okay. yeah, that's good. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, and because this is just my personality, I, I want to ask you about like, you know, the flip side of that, like, has there been like, um, a, a low point or low points you've had in streaming? Like, was there like this one time this guy just totally went off in, in chat or something like, or does it just happen every week? I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know that dynamic. Yeah. People always go off. Like at this point, I it's, it's just too easy for me to brush it off. Um, but I, I don't want to minimize the impact of things that people say, because it's true. Like I, I think I, at this point I have a very hard shell, but other streamers, you know, 
if, if somebody says even just the slightest thing, um, that does start to wear on you. It's not like I'm impenetrable. Um, like over time it wears, it wears, it wears. Like if it's, if somebody, you know, if one person just says, Oh man, uh, you're not very good at magic. Right. Well, I don't know how are you getting these viewers or whatever. Um, at the time it might not, it might not bother you, especially if you've been doing it as long as I have, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's like a pile up, right? One grain of sand, Mm-hmm. no impact but you know eventually when a ton a ton of people pile onto that you know it starts to starts to weigh on you and so i think i i think i've become good at um kind of shrugging off those type of scenarios but um no it, it's something that that is always weighing on the mind of streamers i think everywhere how do you manage that because i'm sure you have your your bad days or, you know, days where you're not feeling up to, especially like something like during the 365, right. Where you may not really feel like streaming today, but you just feel like you should because you're, you want to show commitment. So mm-hmm. do you just have a short stream? Do you like just ignore chat? Like do you have certain techniques to, <laughs> to, uh, to help you get through it? Yeah. Uh, a lot of the times, like, I mean, mental health is, is so important. And I think, especially for streamers, you, you need to, you need to take time for yourselves. Um, I have admittedly been for the most part bad about that. I I will often just stream even if I don't want to. Um, but yeah, like, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's oftentimes that I would do like a shorter stream or maybe I wouldn't be as interactive, you know, maybe, um, I'm never going to fully close the chat, but maybe I just don't like somebody asks a question. I'm just not even going to um, give it any notice, not even going to reply to them or whatever. I'm just going to kind of do my thing. I'm going to play the game as if nobody was watching. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I'd say those, those times are few and far between, but those have certainly happened in the past. Uh, nowadays, I'm much better about being, um, true to myself like hey guys i'm not feeling it i'm not going to stream today or whatever but uh in the past and especially when i was trying to build that audience uh certainly oh yeah i i wouldn't want to stream at all and i i would just feel the need to be on to be to be entertaining to to be personable to be lively you know and it's it's hard and that mm-hmm. that is something that still happens to this day to some extent like if i'm playing a game and i'm not streaming there's this there's this voice in the back of my head, you know, you could be streaming right now. You You're wasting this effort or exactly. you might as well. And it, right. And it's I'm like, playing anyways. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, no, you don't I even want... have to interact with the audience. Just turn it on. Right. Right. And it, it, it's like, it's, it's so bad sometimes. Yeah. Like, um, well, sometimes, uh, I don't even want to play magic at the end of the day. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that's just something that uh, especially streamers need to work on. Just, you know, being true to themselves, not pushing them to not pushing themselves to a breaking point and making sure that, uh, that they're, that they're getting their time, you know, their, their own personal time and not, they don't need to be on every single moment. Things are a lot more developed now, I think in terms of just the protocol of, I mean, there's still bad apples, but 
I think in general, viewers like have some idea, like if they do something, they know they're just being an ass asshole and they're, or they're doing it for the memes. And on the flip side, like streamers are very open now about mental health and what they're going through. And if I'm not feeling up to it, they just cancel the stream and everybody seems to understand, which is great because it's about longevity. So it, it seems like there's a lot, but like, are there things that you still wish like the general streaming world could do better at in terms of anything really just like if, if you were like an almighty being like did you and you wanted to point the finger at certain things there, are there things that you wish could improve from maybe a streaming and also uh audience expectation point of view uh man i mean it's probably like a two-hour podcast yeah right here, right? yeah so. exactly there's I think there are just too many individual things that you could list. Um, God, I'm even trying to just think of, you know, a good couple of big ones. But from the viewer perspective, I, th I think that they need to understand the streamer is still a person, right? They're not just some talking head that you can, you can yell at with whatever expletives or opinions you think... Um, or want to say at the time, you know, it's, it, it's, it's very much a, a two way street. Um, even though it, it does not feel like that at all. Like it just feels like viewers for the most part are yelling at the streamer and the streamer has to pick and choose, especially with a larger audience. Um, once you get to a certain point, it's just so hard to have any kind of reasonable conversation, you know, with, with a couple people, it's more at, at that point, you're talking and then people are responding to it, but you're not necessarily engaging with uh, any individual. Mm -hmm. um, it just doesn't scale at a certain point, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's hard. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Plus it's especially nowadays, like social norms are, I mean, there, there are very few social norms, <laughs> if you will, like it's, it, there, there are no boundaries yeah. um, and everybody's willing to just take it to the next level. And as a streamer, it's, it's hard to convey that in a way that's necessarily going to resonate with people. Um, and so you just have to do your best, I think, as a streamer to kind of uh, minimize, minimize the, not the impact, but the, the, the weight, the burden that, uh, that viewership can put on you. And from the viewer's side of things, you know, they just, as I mentioned, they kind of just need to, to focus or realize the fact that um, the streamer is not always going to be able to be their personal friend. You know, you might say something, they might not see it, they might ignore it. If they choose to, don't, you know, don't try to, to push the envelope and make it uh, make it so that you're the one stand out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, you're you're in a sea of thousands of people sometimes, and it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to not want to do that though. Yeah, I was listening to uh, a podcast recently with uh, I think her name I think it's Alexa Ale Alex or Alexa Boltes is one of the oh chess the player uh huh chess very well known chess streamer right and she was saying something which is sort of like I, I, I'm paraphrasing but it's just like now it's just with streaming 
everybody's becoming more of a celebrity, right? Doesn't like, I think, I think you're in your sphere, you're a celebrity in her sphere. She's a celebrity. Like you might even get recognized uh, in public sometimes, uh, which I think probably happens because you're in Seattle, uh, you know, near magic HQ or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's just like people, it's, it's kind of funny because it's like this sort of thing where people feel like they know you, but they don't really know you. So it, it can get kind of awkward if it's not even just IRL, real life, but just just interactions. It's like, yeah, I know you like you did this or you said this once and it's not like they're stalking you, but they remember that. So they think like, I know Kenji or I know Numo the, the Nummy. Uh, and uh, and it's just it's not a reciprocal thing, which is kind of weird, right? Yeah. Numot. Numot the Nummy. Numot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. I don't think I've heard you that. say like Newmont on the street. Like, I don't, I don't think well, you refer to yourself in the third person. So it's just like, I'm just, I just read in my own. Uh, so I apologize. For <laughs> no, that. no, 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 no. Everybody, everybody does that. Um, but yeah, no, go, going off your point, uh, th- those type of interactions, I don't mind. Those things happen. And, and like, I, I think you have to expect some amount of that as, as somebody, you know, in, in the public, uh, space of things like as somebody who's putting all this content out there it's reasonable to expect that somebody i may not know at all they might not even be a somebody that chats they might just be a watcher right they might not never interact with me on a streaming level um and then if they meet or if they see me in person it's reasonable to expect that they're going to say something they're going to know something and i don't have any reciprocal information on them i i think that's normal and that has happened uh plenty of times where people come up to me uh especially at like when they used to host like live magic events people would be like hey i love your stuff you know i watch you all the time you've done this and this and this and they would even say i know you don't know me personally or you know they would give me their username and then it'd be like mm-hmm. oh hey I, you know i recognize that new username oh, that's, but that's that's reasonable that's reasonable yeah but i don't think there's necessarily that um expectation that i'm going to know anything about them yeah. And I don't think there should be, but mm-hmm. I think it's completely reasonable for them uh, or rather for me to expect people to have that type of interaction with me. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's fine that, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and that just comes with, um, comes with the territory, that, right? Yeah, exactly. So that that's part of the business. Okay. I got to ask this because we, you meant, we mentioned it. So how did you come up with Numot, Numot the Nummy? Like what's the story behind that? Is it like an anagram of something crazy that I don't know? No, no, it's it's a pretty tame story. Uh, growing up uh, in uh, high school, playing what used to be called uh, Elder Dragon Highlander, now called Commander, uh, my buddies would play that all the time. And the very first Commander deck I had was a card uh, called Numat the Devastator. Okay. And so uh, when I first made my Magic Online account... Uh, I just based it off my very first commander, and then I went for some alliteration. You know, mm. Numot. I, I could have been I went like Numot the Knightly or something, but I went mm. with Numot the Nummy, and uh, n- Nummy nice being like num- Nummy yeah. like being something tasty that you would say to a baby, right? Like oh, <laughs> num 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 Nummy, you know, something like that. But it, it's <laughs> there, there's no exciting uh, story behind okay uh, this this name. It was just my first commander and some alliteration. And then right. that became my magic online handle. Gotcha. So 
another thing I want to ask about is just the magic stuff, right? Because you, you have mentioned that, you know, magic is always dynamic. You know, there's always new cards coming out. So it's not a solved mm-hmm. or a fixed game. It's not like Pokemon, which I guess you play Pokemon on stream. So maybe that's a not a great <laughs> comparison to make. But, uh, you know, games, games like Pokemon are comforting in its staticness, right? Mm-hmm. But magic is dynamic. There's been lots of, um, how should I say it, doom and gloom around magic i know it doesn't really impact what you do because you know you're probably better off streaming magic today than going to a magic tournament just pure dollars and cents kind of thing but uh how do you see things evolving there i mean everyone has their own views on it right like uh whether it's competitive or just casual play you know so open question like how how do you see magic maybe evolving in the next uh little while uh i've been a little bit burnt by just how much or how many new products are coming out these days? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I like I know I know you play a lot of legacy or older formats, and especially when you know a bunch of new cards like Ragavan or what's it called, Merktide Regents. When, when these cards are you know becoming more and more staple, and you just have to constantly update. But uh, oh no, no, I mean anyway. I'm also thinking from a business perspective because for oh. CBL it's like we have to support new sets and you know work with wizards on that. And it just seems like not even like two or three weeks go by when like you know you're 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 doing like the 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 set just came out and now it's the spoilers for like the next set. So it's it's oh it's, no, yeah, it never ends. No, no, yeah. I know. I, I know exactly. I just wanted to tie in something about, you know, sure. What you yeah, play yeah. No, I, this, I appreciate so. that. I appreciate your empathy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but you know it's true and like it it's crazy um even on stream these days i'm like wait didn't this set just come out like literally two weeks ago and now we're we're getting previews from a new set and while it does feel like that a lot of it is just the supplementary uh products they've started to come out with right um it's it's a ton of commander product it's a it's a bunch of um masters or modern horizon type products but not only that, like they just recently announced there's going to be a bunch of crossovers with like my little pony type stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I understand where they're coming from, um, but it's just too much of an overload. Like I used to be up to date with all of the best commander decks and stuff like that, but it, it feels like they just kind of tapped into the cash cow and now yeah. commander commander actually has something new every single month it, it's not even just like one new card it's a it's a full like new deck of cards right um and for me like i'm, I'm kind of a little bit uh distance from that because i play almost exclusively limited mm-hmm. so that excuse me that's nice for me because um as far as standard sets are concerned you know, usually a, a new standard set only comes out every couple months, every few months even. Um, and so I don't have to deal with the constant uh, influx of all these new of all these new cards that I'm going to have to remember. Um, it's just on the same schedule as normal. But from an overall standpoint of things, looking looking outside from somebody so ingrained in it, it's 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 too much. I, I think it's too much anyways. And I, I think a lot of people hold the same view. Um, you know, we can all understand where they're coming from, but it, it would be reasonable for them to, to scale it back quite a bit. And we would still have so much, so much 
uh, new magic product to, to deal with. Like it, 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 it's such an overload. Um, and I don't know how else to put it. Like it, a, a constant influx of new cards, new sets when we're just getting caught up with, you know, what just came out. So I don't know. At, at this point, it's been talked about so much that it's, we're kind of just beating a dead horse, but it's, I mean, it deserves to be, it deserves to be said that it's just, yeah. there's, there's too much. Yeah. The horse has now uh, been, you know, reanimated as a zombie horse, but it's still, still getting beat. So, yeah. One thing I do know though, and I, I think you can attest to this is that limited is as good as ever, like just designing how they're designing for limited. Maybe there were some missteps like over the years or recent years, like Ixalan or something, but for the most part, I think limited has been really good. Right. So I guess from a player perspective or from a streamer perspective, it's not that bad since you're focused on that. Or is it, or yes and no, maybe, maybe, maybe you have a deeper understanding than me, Mr. Like legacy player (laughs) surface knowledge of uh, limited. Generally speaking overall. Yes. Uh, Limited has been very, very good. The last, you know, X number of years. I've especially enjoyed like funny enough, the, like modern horizon formats. I think those are really, really good limited formats um, that they, that they put a lot of time into. Um, I mean, most recently uh, adventure into the forgotten realms. I think people are actually really dissatisfied with, I don't know if you played much. Well, limited. it's kind of a corset, right? So maybe we'll get right. And, and, and that's a thing. That's a, that's a thing. People need to realize that's like replacing you know, a corset kind who, of who but. can keep up with that stuff. So it's like, I'm, I'm just being an apologist. So maybe, maybe like, <laughs> like how are you supposed to know that? Right. It's just a million sets. So anyways. yeah. Yeah. But I, I think generally speaking, they've done a great job with recent limited formats. And so, um, you know, as, so tell me about the nuance, why is limited still bad? Like, I want to know from, you know, someone who's very well-versed in it. Well, specifically from uh, AFR, uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, there was just a clear combination, color combination that was far and away better than anything else yeah. for a variety of reasons. In, in that set, it was black-red, and uh, you just had access to the best commons and uncommons. But not only that, you had access to the best commons and, color, uh, commons and uncommons of any other color because those black and red were the colors of treasure, so mm. you not only got the best cards, but then you could play all the Splash. best cards from anything else for basically no cost. And so, and especially on Arena, um, especially on Arena, that was yeah, you can't heavily... really force the yeah. No, no, the, the, you can. You I'm, can I'm saying for... you can. So I'm saying everyone can do that. It's like you can't. Right. You, you won't be yep. the person who didn't get that. So and yeah. so you're it, like that's something that you would always play against. And I mean, arena is its whole own <laughs> subject. Like I'm, I'm so like, I mean, and I'm going to go, I'm going to talk about this, but I, why is best of one, the only ranked format for limited? It is. I mean, I know why Ching, they, they make their money and they don't necessarily want to spread out um, and have, too many different formats available but oh it's so crazy to me that the 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 number one played limited format or the number one way to play limited is kind of not magic if that makes sense 
it, it totally makes sense. They probably just want to pretend the cyborg never existed. And uh, it, it, hey, it helps scrubs like me. You know, when I play best of one, I feel like I have better chance because like, hey, you know, I might just like get a good draw and just blow out the other player. Right. So. And, and it's nice, like the time saving is is so good because like a best of three game can take a yeah, long Yeah, but let's be real. Nobody's playing Magic for time savings, right? Like Magic just right. takes well, way more time compared to Storybook or any any other of these things. So, Sure. Yeah. Oh, no, not, not best of one games. Not even close. Yeah, yeah I guess. Okay. Yeah, okay. I guess build. you still have to build the deck and all that stuff, right? right. I, I'm, no. I'm trying to compare it to like games where you just kind of like counter-strike or something Any, anyways i'm going off on a totally wild off that's, please no, that's, that's yeah. fine no anyways I, arena great from a viewer perspective and great for many many things mainly constructed uh but limited has a lot of a lot of work to be done on it I'll, got it I'll say that got yeah it. all right i'm gonna i'm gonna switch gears a little bit this is a topic that uh, is sort of I hope you'll be able to answer. Hopefully you won't say I refuse to answer these, but I want to ask about Emily, your wife. And, Mm -hmm. you know, can you tell me about this is a complete uh, detour (laughs) from magic. We go in from magic to relationships. But I I do want to know because, you know, I met met Emily. She's a lovely person. How did you guys meet initially? Because it seems like you guys are really good for each other. And it seems like you have known each other for a very long time, even though it hasn't been super long, right? Yeah, it hasn't been that long. Let's see. It's 21. That's been about maybe five, six years. That sounds, yeah, six years-ish. Uh, we actually met on Tinder. The, uh, I'll call it a dating app, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. more or less. Um, and she always tells the the story that it's kind of funny because on, on Tinder, you have to set like your uh, range, what it's called. Like, I only want to find people within two miles of me, five miles of me. Oh, sorry. Whatever. I thought I never used Tinder. I thought you were referring to like socioeconomic status or like height no, or something. No. <laughs> I mean, you, you could write that in your bio too, I'm sure. But, but, but one of the list of options My is bad. to, okay. yeah, yeah. No, Physical one of, one of the yeah. Right. Exactly. How close are they? And so at the time I was living in Linwood uh, with Colin, she was living in Issaquah or Bell. Yeah. Issaquah. And so that was, that was like a 30, 40 minute drive away. And so, um, as she tells the story, it must've been like fate to occur where we happened to like, we must've been in the same general vicinity at the the, time. The stars align on the Right, right. We matched, we matched then. And then we went back to our separate ways, but at that point we had already matched. And, uh, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't remember our exact initial conversations but we did go our first date was to uh card kingdom i don't know if you know card kingdom in very much a mainstay in seattle for listeners right. who yeah, are not yeah. in the area i've definitely played uh my share of magic there yeah sure yeah so we went to uh mox boarding house in bellevue for our first date and we played magic uh for many many hours uh so you taught her magic or she had already known how to play? No, she, so that's the funny thing. She had already known how to play magic. Like apparently we we already had a bunch of close mutual friends, mm. but we just had never met each other. Uh, we had never like crossed paths. Okay. And um, like, for example, uh, Gavin Verhey, you know, he works at Wizards. 
um, he had hosted a party one time and we had both been at that party. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we, again, we had, we had okay. chances to meet. We had like just you never... reconstructed the timeline. Like you were actually physically in the same places. In right. The past. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, like on Facebook, you have all the list of mutual friends or whatever. And so mm-hmm. the, there were friends that had overlapped and it was just funny that we had never met until we had been using the little phone app or whatever. So that just shows how essential Tinder is, right? Because yeah, like, sure. you would have never approached her maybe if it was Gavin's party or something like that. Right. Exactly. So um, that's how we met. Just Hey, I, I can't knock it. One of my best friends met his wife on Tinder as well. Yeah. And it was actually in Beijing too, which is pretty wild. Like she was Chinese and he was uh, like from Philadelphia, but like living in Beijing, <laughs> Caucasian guy. And it was I actually had them as my the MCs for my wedding because they oh, nice. I got to know both of them uh, the wife quite well as well. But um, yeah, shout out to my good friend James, also named James. Uh, <laughs> Tinder works. I don't know. I never used it, but okay. So you and Emily, like I guess things just sort of develop very quickly then, right? Or you guys just thought it was a good it was good hanging out and all that stuff. Yeah, no, we we I mean we went on a few uh, dates after that, and then. I mean, I don't know how, know how much longer after that it was, but yeah, we started hanging out more and more. And then eventually, um, you know, we, we became uh, a couple mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just been, been peaches and roses ever since, I guess. <laughs> what do you think changed about you before and after getting married? Oh, before and after getting married? Oh, yeah. Ideally, it shouldn't be much that has changed, right? But uh, yeah, that's the practice. Let's see. I mean, we're both a lot more comfortable, I guess, with just being ourselves in front of another. But we had we had lived with each other for a while before that in an apartment, so it wasn't like we didn't know each other's, you know, little quirks and habits and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's. I don't think marriage really changed all that much. I, I mean, there's the title and the ring and or, or whatever, but yeah, you know, from day to day, day to day life, I don't think there's anything different. Yeah, I mean, what what is it about Emily that just made you think that she was the the one? Like, just you know, I mean, everything about her. She's she's she makes everything so much clearer. She she keeps me honest with things. She's so so lively so personable and i think that's a lot a lot of that you know i uh i mean maybe this is a weird thing to say but you know they 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 say that the guy always looks for somebody that uh emulates their mom or whatever and i i kind of see you know her personality in a lot of that and i think i had been streaming for a while at that point so it was a nice contrast even that you know i had kind of withdrawn Mm -hmm. um I, I, you know, we were talking before I'd withdrawn from how I used to be in high school or whatever. And so she is somebody that kind of um, burst open or not, maybe not burst open, but started pulling open that shell again and bringing out, bringing out the person um, that, that I was, that I had hoped to be, you know? So you think your personality is different after meeting her or after being in a relationship with her? Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's, she has kept me sane throughout these years for sure. Like I, I don't know what it would be like if I had not met her and continued streaming. I like, 
I, I'm sure that would be some kind of slippery slope of just mental breakdown and not being able to handle the just the stress and the the drain of mm-hmm. it all. And so just being able to to confide in somebody and have them, you know, be that person that uh, that not only keeps me honest but uh, uh, reveals the best in me, I guess, or at least sees the best in me. Uh, That's is, good. Is comforting. Yeah. Yeah. She seems like a really just, um, just a warm person from, you know, my, the, the few times I interacted with her and I'm, I'm sure you can agree to that, but also can be like skeptical at times. Right. Because she didn't believe that you had a black belt and, uh, <laughs> tell me about that one. Yeah. I don't remember what date it was on. We were, we were on one of our dates and you just, you just throw random factoids. Like I have a black belt and she didn't. No, believe no, no. I, I'm pretty sure she had asked like a question of, all right, tell me about something about yourself, you know? Okay. Um, but you do I'm have like, a black belt and you, so you can basically beat up a lot of people if you really oh, want yeah, to. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Like, for sure. Show cold or whatever it takes. One, yeah. No, one, one punch, man, you know, Saitama. Okay. that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, it was on one of our first dates. I, I assume she had asked, like, you know, tell me something about yourself. And I said I had a black belt in Taekwondo. Mm. Uh, I can't remember. I, I'm pretty sure she was just like super skeptical. And then I don't know why I was like, I'll call my mom. You can ask my mom, you know? And so yeah, she offered that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So I, so I'm like, here, talk to my mom, ask my mom. And this was like, I don't remember what date, but it was like date number two or three. So she's talking to my mom on the phone while we're out, you know, asking, Hey, does your son have a black belt? And I'm like, what, what am I doing with my life? Who does that? Hey, but I mean, if, uh, you guys can survive that that means you know like you guys right. are, are meant to be together, right? For the, for the record, I, I got the black belt when I was, actually like 11 years old so i remember zero of it that's pretty hard to get a black belt so young right or is it different different criteria how does that work i don't know what the criteria i was to me it felt like there were a lot of other young people getting black belts in taekwondo but i don't know if that was actually true or not so Maybe it's like, you know, going back to what we said, like a language, maybe it's like you can master a language easier when you're right. younger and you can master yeah. the black belt e- more easily or something. I don't, certainly I don't know. More, certainly more nimble back then. So yeah, I could probably <laughs> do the, the, uh, the forms nice, nice. and the motions. And the, yeah. So I guess this takes us to present day. I mean, are you able to talk a bit about, because recently you shared something publicly and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why I didn't start off with this because I'm not I'm not about trying to chase after controversy or anything like that. But I mean, to, <laughs> controversy. It, it, I know it's not controversy because you openly uh, share that of your own of your own uh, accord or whatever the the term is volition, volition or something. Volition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, maybe can you talk a bit about that and maybe what prompted you to or what didn't prompt you to to write that piece. Uh, or maybe just set it up a little bit. Just talk about maybe maybe for those who don't know, like what what exactly did you just what did you share like recently? James, I don't know what you're talking about. You're gonna have to go into more detail. You're gonna have to no. I'm just I'm <laughs> gonna just go kidding. into my notebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So um, uh, 
I wrote a post uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, and it was it was detailing more about personal life and professional life. Um, and uh, Emily and I have been going through um, how do you, how do I say this? Uh, we've been trying to start a family, right? And we've been going through some hardships on that front. Uh, and so in my post on the um, personal side of things, I was talking about, you know, what we were going through in terms of um, reproductive measures, reproductive health, and starting that, you know, starting uh, the procedures that we would need to do to, to get that family going. Because uh, at this point, we have been trying, I think, for just over two years now. And so I wanted to be like, I've always been super open with my community and whatnot. Um, like I had a, a, a brain tumor scare, for example, a couple of years ago, and I was fully open uh, with my community there, uh, you know, just posting everything online about that. Um, and so in, in terms of, of this, you know, I was just like, hey, you know, we've decided to start going through um, IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. Uh, we've been trying to start a family, you know, if, if, uh, others are going through the same thing, you know, maybe this can help, but I kind of wanted to just be open, um, and maybe give people, I don't know, a little bit of a snippet into more of my personal life. Cause while I do consider, consider myself a very, um, private person, um, I still like to, and this is maybe doesn't make sense. I still like to share um, any any hardships I might be going through, um, in hopes that you know it might help other people in mm -hmm. similar situations. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just very you know forthright and saying this is what we're ha this is what we're going through. Um, I hope people can understand, and it kind of tied into what I was talking about on the professional side of things. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's certainly more personal uh, that, you know, I had been in the Rivals League, one of the, the Magic Pro Leagues uh, for a while. And so I felt like I had been kind of neglecting my duties um, mm -hmm. as a professional because, you know, there were other more pressing matters at hand. Um, and so I don't think there was anything like there was no catalyst that was like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm spurred to do this now. I think it was just right. me um, being more open and, uh, you know, just try to give sure. a little bit more context to your, to your life as it sure. were. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but not only that, um, at some, I mean, I realize at some point that if I'm taking random breaks off of stream, mm -hmm. I don't want to have to come, you know, make some kind of excuse or whatever and say, Hey, not feeling well, taking the day off. You know, mm -hmm. it, I'd rather just be like, Hey, we're doing such and such. Um, and mm -hmm. I need, I can't be here right now, that type of thing. So got it. Yeah. I mean, it, it like, it seems like a heavier subject and it, it kind of is for sure, but it's, it's not like, like, I don't feel bad or anything like that. I just, I think it's good to, to be open and, Mm -hmm. and uh like it i'm not trying to uh, to garner sympathy or anything like mm -hmm. that I, mm -hmm. I just want to be um 
for for like as such a public figure, I guess mm-hmm. I want to be uh, represented or available in the way that uh, I would expect others to, you know, to want it. Got it. Got it. And uh, I definitely know that you're a person who isn't trying to embellish anything. Like you're just trying to, you know, state some truths about yourself to try and help people to maybe help people relate to situations if they're in a similar situation. And uh, I'm just really sorry to hear about um, the challenges that you and Emily are going through and hopefully, you know, things will uh, get better as, uh, as you guys go. So, I mean, the thing is I like, I've said that, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to be, even be in this position in the first place because, you know, a lot of people, if they were going through the same thing or rather if they had the same issues, wouldn't be able to go through the processes that, uh, that we're, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough to go through. Like it's, it's very consuming both uh, financially and time wise, you know, it's like uh, even through it all, I have to consider us uh, lucky that that we're able to take these steps that I know, you know, plenty of other people wouldn't be able to go through. And like, from my perspective of things, I have it so easy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Emily that has to go through the, the brunt of the procedure. Um, so like, I, all I can do is, is, you know, give her my support and love uh, while she's the one that's getting all of the shots, all of the injections, all mm-hmm. of the, you know, all of the surgeries or procedures. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's, it's hard, mm-hmm. but uh, got to just do, do my best and, you know, trudge through. Yeah. You got to stay positive and I can relate to this a bit too. I mean, not exactly the same situation, but my wife has also had, you know, like, you know, going through some things like whether it's like career or health related and things like that. And it's like, whenever that happens, you're just like, Sometimes you, as a, as a partner, you just feel sort of, um, helpless, right? Because you, Mm -hmm. you, you kind of feel, you kind of wish you can just take over the, whatever they're feeling and internalize it instead of having them have to go through it. But it's literally impossible to do that. And it's just really hard. And sometimes I feel just this sort of, um, I'm not projecting on you, but I'm just saying that for me, like I, I, um, I can feel some guilt, like, okay, like I, I'm not going through exactly the same thing. And, and it's, it's just tough because you have to be there. You have to be positive. You have to be a, a stabilizing force, but at the same time, it's also uh, very difficult, obviously. So um, I'm not really sure there was a question there, but it's just, just, uh, just, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's very relatable for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it's, even if there was no question, it's just good to say and good to, you know, get out that like, a good point to make if nothing else. Right. Yeah. And, uh, about the magic stuff, I think, uh, when I first read the, the piece that you wrote, I assumed like somebody was like calling you out or something as if it, that really <laughs> mattered. But I, I think the way you explained it made, makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think the reality is just that you have to prioritize your life on what is most important. And sometimes mm-hmm. like, the so-called fire for magic like goes in and out at times. Right. And, uh, it, it, it's, it, it comes back at some point, but it's like, it's not always possible to be on for magic hundred percent of the time, you know? Yeah. I've been called out too many times anyways to, to care about anything <laughs> like that. So you have thicker me. skin than, than most. I, I, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, 
that's I, I've hit on all the major questions I wanted to ask today. I'm not sure if there's anything else that you think we should cover. No, no. I mean, uh, like I was, I was totally your, your captor or your, wait, no, other way around. I'm, you're totally my captor. So anything, anything you want to talk about, I, I am more than happy to, to be open and uh, expound upon, but do you have good news? You know, uh, the, we're still going through some IVF phases, but everything, everything leading up to this point has gone swimmingly. So uh, literally swimmingly. So <laughs> <laughs> uh not not often you get to use that literally yeah yes yeah so we're hopeful uh hopefully things mm-hmm. keep keep going uh well but again just super fortunate to be even uh even be going through these procedures so i do want to ask this is my last question okay how how do you think you stay so positive in the face of this sort of adversity or personal adversity is it do you think you've always had it or was it sort of learn over time did you did you start feeling more this way after being together with Emily or were there other factors? Mm, I think I've always been pretty happy go lucky throughout my life. Um, and I realized, I think I realized at a, at a young age that there's no reason to, to usually dwell on anything, you know, uh, you just gotta, gotta keep pushing forward and do the best you can. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe it's more pronounced now, uh, since, since being with Emily that we, you know, that, uh, through everything that we've gone together, that, uh, it's, it's good to continue that, um, that hopeful genuineness. Uh, but it, it you know, it's, it's just something that, uh, it's something that, uh, I don't know. I, I think I've always had that kind of that kind of spark. And even though the last 10 years of streaming have somewhat made me more drawn in um overall personality wise there's there's still that that remnant of youthful kenji all right so here's to uh, uh an ongoing youthful kenji uh kenji i want to thank you so much for taking the time and also educating me on the proper pronunciation of your screen, uh, stream name so that was uh i was trying to do a, a more french pronunciation but that was obviously not not correct for the dragon. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for your, for just taking the time. I really appreciate it. No, glad, glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you invited me. It's, it's been, uh, it's always good to talk about these things, you know, whether, whether we say it is or not just, um, and even if you've said it tons of times, it's, it, it, it's kind of like a, a relieving factor to, to have a, a nice discussion, you know? Excellent. Well, I hope you have a good rest of the evening. You as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans of Magic. To get other episodes or to get details on the Humans of Magic book, please visit humansofmagic.com. That's humansofmagic.com. We have all the past archive episodes. You can also find and subscribe to Humans of Magic on SoundCloud, Spotify, and all the places you find podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.